Thanks for listening to KYUK. I'm Francisco Martinez Cuello. This week on Field Notes, we're catching up with KYUK's senior reporter, Emily Schwing. She was recently in New Talk, where decades of erosion have finally caught up to the school. This fall, a construction crew is dismantling the back of the school building, while students still attend classes in the front half. Hey, Emily. Hey, Francisco. Emily, did I read that right? A construction crew is taking apart the school while students still attend class inside? Yes. And honestly, Francisco, in order to tell this story completely, we have to back up to a few months ago. Okay, let's do it. Where should we start? Okay, so last fall, a powerful storm surge from the remnants of Typhoon Murbach swept away about 30 feet of land between the edge of the Ninglick River and the back end of the school. That's when the school district decided the situation was unsustainable in the long term. So... What does that mean, unsustainable? So it means the building is just no longer safe. It became even less so after a catastrophic fire destroyed its generator back in January. I visited New Talk in April, and principal and site administrator Don Lloyd gave me a tour of the damage. This is where we were standing when we were shoveling snow at it. And so it, it was on fire, and you're standing here in the doorway shoveling snow into there? Well, mostly when it did. So at first, we couldn't do anything. The fire was way too big, and we wouldn't have gotten up here. We, we kind of looked to see if we could, but there was no way. Lloyd told me a very dramatic story about how she and two teachers tried to get the fire under control. But it was a total loss. She says they rushed through the school, grabbing whatever they could for teaching materials in case the fire also spread to the building. The generator was entirely destroyed, and because there was no electricity or heat, the pipes froze and broke inside the walls of the school, and there hasn't been running water there since. Wow, Emily, I have so many questions. Were repairs made? Is the school functional now? Where are students attending classes? Can people use the gym for basketball and events? My list goes on. Yeah, so these are all questions that I also had, and the short answer is that the school does have power, but there's no running water. This fall, storms beginning in August claimed another 21 feet of land, and the building is now just too close to the edge of the river. Kim Sweet is the director of operations for the Lower Kuskokwim School District. So in some ways, it's very uh, sobering in that we know in our minds that erosion's happening, and we know that the water is coming closer and closer. It's sobering. It's also... um, There's a certain helplessness that we feel, like how do we get this to stop and knowing that we can't get it to stop. So how do we uh, work to make sure that kids can still access school even though this environmental disaster is happening right literally underneath our feet. So it's overwhelming sometimes. So what are the next steps, Emily? Well, as of early November, one section of the back end of the school has been dismantled. Coming up in January, construction crews will return to take apart the remaining section. Kimberly Hankins, the Lower Kuskokwim School District superintendent, says the work is easier when things are hard and frozen because the land under Newtalk is essentially just this, like, mushy, waterlogged tundra when it's not frozen. The demo project this summer was so much more complicated because of the need to reach the building Um, and do that along the edge where the erosion was happening. So um, we're eager for a freeze-up for sure. And then, um, you know, of course we have plan Bs. And then we wait and see. Wait, but there's still no water at the school, right? So what about food preparation, bathrooms, and, and cleaning? 
Yeah, this is also a really big concern. Kim Sweet told me the COVID-19 pandemic really helped prepare them for this. She says they're equipped to keep things as clean as possible. We use a lot of hand sanitizer. And the other thing is that we have a lot of the Aeromax filters that we use during COVID, and those are high-powered HEPA filters. So we have those deployed throughout the building and in the gym especially um, to make sure that our air is as clean as possible. Staff can also still haul water for cleaning. Even so, kids can't use the bathroom. And in fact, all the education materials and stuff that used to be in those classrooms that are now slated for demolition are piled into the bathrooms for storage. At the risk of getting a little personal here, Emily, how are kids and staff going to the bathroom? There's a bathroom bus. A bathroom bus? Yeah, Francisco, a bathroom bus. Where are we going, guys? Where are we going? Every day at 10 and 2, the elementary age kids line up at their classroom doors and wait for their teacher to give them a green light. Then they head out the door, down some stairs, and pile into this little aluminum trailer that's towed by a four-wheeler. One of the facilities and maintenance workers tows them in the trailer to their houses where they can go to the bathroom. Hello, everyone. This is all my friends. Emily, there's just something that doesn't add up for me. There's no running water at any of the houses in Utah, right? That's right, Francisco. And I really think it's important to understand exactly what's happening here. There are no homes with running water in Utah. And other than in school district housing, there never has been. So kids get this ride home in the middle of the school day to poop and pee in a five-gallon bucket. It's what we all know colloquially in Bush, Alaska, as a honey bucket. Today, the only building in the village that has running water is the health clinic. And this is a scary situation. How so? Well, the water plant itself is facing some really serious challenges. It's 40 years old, and the platform that holds the community's water tank up is rotting. Insulation has disintegrated, and drain pipes have already frozen this fall. The public washing machines, showers, and a flush toilet are all closed for the winter. There is available treated drinking water for now, but it's anyone's guess how long the water plant can keep operating like this without some major maintenance. And if it goes down, people will have to pack ice from a small pond that's about a mile away from the village. Emily, this all sounds pretty complicated. How are people who live in Newtalk managing all of this? Well, about a half a dozen new homes in Makhtarvik are just about move-in ready. That's where everyone from Newtalk will eventually relocate. That relocation project has been underway there, nine miles across the Ninglik River from Newtalk, for more than 30 years now. Available housing is the single most limiting factor that's keeping people in New Talk. This year alone, about 100 people will have moved across the river. And the school district is hoping that by the end of this year, every student is able to attend school over in Makhtarvik's emergency evacuation center. A new school over there is scheduled to open for the 2025-26 school year. The supporting gravel pad for that new building is already built, and crews are going to install pilings for it this winter. Emily, thanks for all your reporting on this. 
hopefully you can keep us updated as this relocation keeps moving forward. Yeah, thanks for having me, Francisco. Emily Schwing is a reporter here at KYUK, and you've been listening to Field Notes. Her reporting on New Talk's relocation is funded by a grant from the Alaska Center for Excellence in Journalism. If you have thoughts, suggestions, or news tips, you can email us at news at kyuk.org. That's news at kyuk.org. I'm Francisco Martinez Cuello. Thanks for listening. Thank you.